This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. As always, I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this show. Um, hopefully my guests will come on. Hopefully it won't be like uh, last week when my guest didn't get on until about halfway through um, because I'm having an extraordinary couple uh, come on the show and, and talk all about their film and their book. And I really think you're, you're going to like these people talking about how seeing is not believing. And we'll get into exactly what that means. But first, of course, we have our quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the Universe and from Abraham. Let's see what they have for us today to kick off the show. First, from the Universe. When it comes to having it all, many fine young souls take issue with the word have. They're concerned about the concept of ownership. Their soul is taunted with guilt for the Pleasure derives from material things. And they quiver as the thought of others having less than they have. Of course, such righteousness and selfless thoughts are a significant contributor to the creation of... Oops. Uh, to the creation of lack in a world of endless abundance. But they'll learn, ah, kids, the universe. Ah, and, and whoa, okay, so a quote from, my, uh, from the universe reminding us that, you know, uh, getting upset at the idea of ownership, getting, you know, a little concerned, a little, oh, you know, but if I have something, somebody else doesn't have something. Well, 
if we live in an abundant universe, which I am a big believer in the fact that we do live in an abundant world and an abundant universe, then just because we, quote unquote, have something, does not mean we are uh, denying it of someone else because there is plenty, there is uh, more than enough to go around. And indeed, there have been many, many studies done that show that there's more than enough food in the world, there's more than enough water in the world, there's more than enough material goods in the world. The challenge has always been uh, distribution. The challenge has always been um, the inequality where in certain places or certain people have so much more than others and not necessarily sharing enough. But actually there is, I've heard this statistic many times. I don't know what the latest one is, but the last time I heard it, it was like there's enough food to feed the world four times over. Um, and that farmers end up throwing out and, and we end up destroying more food um, simply because it can't get to all the people um, because of where it's grown and the transportation and the costs to the people who really need it. And, and the other thing that whenever I, I think about just this whole concept of an abundant universe, uh, I always say there's never a lack of resources. There's only a lack of imagination. And I think it, it was a quote from Albert Einstein. I'm, I'm not sure it was from him or not, but I think that's usually who it's attributed to. And, and the uh, example I always give to illustrate this is that if we were to look up above our heads, beyond our planet, there is a whole asteroid belt circling around the sun. But granted, it's not that close. And, and you know, we, we probably still need to develop the technology to go and exploit and take advantage of that. Um, but... Uh, if we were to able to mine even just one, just one five kilometer asteroid of which there were thousands of them, uh, we would have more gold, silver, nickel, like all these elements, all these metals that we need, we would have more than have been mined in the entire history of civilization. In other words, there's more resources up there than we even know what to do with right now. So it's not about the world not being abundant enough. It's about the imagination of how do we get there and bring it back here. And there's all kinds of plans for robotic uh, missions to asteroids and mining them and things like that. But I'm, I'm a true, true believer that there is more than enough here. We just lack the imagination of being able to get it to everybody and being able to find a way to make sure that everybody who needs has. So uh, the universe is chiding us in today's uh, quote uh, that, you know, we, that our thoughts, our imagination, our what we bring to the table is how we create 
a more abundant world. And actually, it's always abundant. It's it, it really just us recognizing the abundance and learning uh, how to bring that abundance to other people. All right, let me get on with my quote from Abraham for the day. If all you did was just look for things to appreciate, you would live a joyous, spectacular life. There was nothing else that you ever came to understand other than just looking for things to appreciate. It's the only tool you would ever need to predominantly hook you up with who you really are. That's all you'd need, Abraham. Again, this is one of those quotes, I think, that really uh, go deep to the heart of what Abraham teaches and the whole law of attraction, that it's all about appreciating and having gratitude for what we have. We have so much. And I think in today's environment and with what's going on, it's actually more apparent than ever before that now that we actually are, are stuck at home and we can't see our friends in the, in physical, I mean, virtually we can see anybody now, but, you know, not being able to come together and be with people that we love to be with, you know, we're learning to appreciate that connection so much more. We're learning to appreciate the things that we took for granted before, that now if we just learn to appreciate, even in this situation, even in this time, and look, I know there's a lot of people out there who are are severely impacted by what's going on with the pandemic. I, I understand. I know people who have lost people. To be honest, I find it quite interesting. I'm hearing more things from people who've lost like their parents and relatives, not from the virus, but from other causes. So in some ways, it just feels like there's this mass migration away from the planet. But um, believe me, I completely empathize. You know, my loyal listeners, you guys know, I had a frontline healthcare worker on the show uh, last month to talk about this whole situation. Um, I do not take it lightly at all. And even though I don't take it lightly, that does not mean that there's not so much that I am in appreciation for, the connections that I am making. Um, I, I, even though I live in New York City, which is, you know, kind of the epicenter uh, for the United States at the moment, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to live close to Central Park. Not that I go out during the daytime, but I go out late at night when there's very few people around. You know, me and my wife, we usually pass a couple of people walking their dogs. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, you do see some people walking in the park who, like, never would be walking in the park at night normally. And, and there's plenty of police around, and it's a very safe to do it. But I really appreciate the fact that I live so close to this majestic park that is uh, a humongous in the middle of, of this huge city. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative that, that my, my brother and, and, and his wife down in Virginia Beach are healthy and safe. My sister and her family in Israel are healthy and safe. Uh, I, I have a lot to be grateful for. And that my wife and I and, and, and all of my close friends, uh, anybody that I know who has uh, contracted the virus, has has gotten through it. Nobody I know who has I, that I personally personally know has died from it. But I do know many people who who like their parents, their relatives, their friends uh, 
have passed on. So I know it's something to take seriously, but even in this most serious time, there is plenty to appreciate. I appreciate how the air is cleaner than ever before. I appreciate the fact uh, that, you know, there's still plenty of food to eat. There's still plenty of things. You know, I appreciate saving money on all kinds of stuff, like not having to dress up to go to work, even though you see, I do wear a nice shirt for the show. Um, you know, not having to travel the subways, you know, saving time by not traveling. There's, there's plenty to appreciate. So um, two wonderful quotes. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, Mike Dooley in the universe. I love Mike Dooley's quotes that he sends out every day. Um, and two, actually, I think rather apropos quotes um, for our guests today. Um, and so uh, uh, hopefully, I, I do believe I have James and, and Steph on the line today. Are you there? All right, all right. I'm going to need you guys to speak up just a little bit. Get your volume up a little bit. But, there you go. Uh, Is that better? Ah, perfect. Beautiful. Gotcha. So, James, and, and please correct me if I say this incorrectly, uh, Purpura? That's good. You did good. All right. James Purpura is an entrepreneur and philosopher who, has relentlessly, who was relentlessly bullied as a child. I wasn't relentlessly bullied, but I was bullied plenty as a child as well. Eventually, he became a homeless drug addict. After enduring a personal descent into hell, we're going to talk a little bit about that, he was able to overcome limiting beliefs and massive learning disabilities to achieve a level of success unimaginable for many people. James believes our perceptions define our world and dictate all of our decisions. He developed concepts called the field of perception and perception loop, which explain how we develop patterns and dominate our lives. These concepts show us how to view our lives differently. They also explain how we allow our past to cast shadows over our futures. Steph Papora is a wife, mother, entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and women's advocate. While raising her five children, Steph has managed and co-run a tech business, which she helped sell and is now co-founder of Powerful You with Guess who? James. Steph leads a subset of the business called Powerful Women, where she creates an environment for women to be heard, respected, and empowered, shifting not only how they are perceived, but also how they perceive themselves. And they are the co-authors of the book, as well as the film Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, James and Steph. Thank you for having us on. We're excited to be here with you. Oh, I've been looking forward to it because uh, I did uh, watch the film. I've not uh, gotten to the book yet. I have like a billion books on my shelf that I have to get to. <clears throat> but I really enjoyed the film and I really wanted to dive in to, you know, your background, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and how you came to all this. Uh, I, excuse me one second. Ah, got a little dry throat there. Um, so, James, let me start with you. We only got like a couple of minutes before we take our first break. But um, I, I just want to go into your background just a little bit of, of how, you know, the way you were brought up was not the most uh, uh, supportive way, was it? No, you know, my mom had some pretty severe depression and bipolar disorder, you know, undiagnosed. This was the 70s. My dad was, you know, kind of out of the picture and on drugs. And so, you know, I didn't have a good support system at home, and I incurred some massive bullying in my kindergarten class. You know, 
I had learning disabilities. So the first day I was supposed to go to the special ed class, my kindergarten teacher called me up in front of the room and said, hey, you know, only retarded and stupid kids go to special ed. And then, you know, I was shocked, obviously. And then when she sent me out the door to go, she made the entire class call me stupid on the way out the door. Long story short, my mom was incapable of doing anything about it. So this pattern, I incurred this pattern every single day for the first year of school. Oh, my God. I I, I mean, to me, I I mean, look, I was bullied by other kids. I'm fortunate enough not to experience that kind of thing from a teacher. But, like, this is an authority figure. This is somebody who, like, the other kids, you know, uh, people listen to. And, like, to say that and to do that to humiliate you in in front of all these other kids, that that must have been awful. It it was, in fact, awful, yes. It was was pretty, you know – I just remember one thought that went through my mind was I can't let them see me cry, you know? So, you know, I really kind of, to a certain degree, detached from my emotions because of that situation. I bet. I bet. And then did the other kids kind of pick on you because of that? Oh, for sure. There was one kid in particular that, that she was kind of like the class pet that took the lead role in bullying me. And bullying continued for about the first three years of my school career until um, you know, we started playing things like dodgeball and it was pretty apparent I was the most dominant athlete, which kind of moved me out of the bullying space for that period of time. Ah, ah so you became kind of like a strong, tough kid. So then they, they stopped uh, teasing you, huh? Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that didn't, you know, repair the damage that was inflicted on me for all of those years. Of course, of course. And especially at such a young age. Um, so James, let's, I'm going to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue on your journey a little bit. And then Steph, I want to hear from you about your journey as well. Okay. Okay, great. All right. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook live. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back <clears throat> to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking with James and Steph Papora, authors of the book Perception, Seeing is Not Believing, and creators of the film by the same name. And we're going to get to uh, uh, why they actually created that and all that stuff. Right now, I just uh, want to continue diving into your background a little bit, James. So, uh, so. Uh, as we talked about in the last segment, you, you were bullied in school and eventually you kind of shut down your emotions, you disconnected from things, you became really tough. What happened next? What were the kind of major things that happened along your journey? Well, you know, to kind of make a long story short, essentially, you know, a big part of what our mission here is and um, through writing the book and doing the movie is showing that everybody's on a path to somewhere. If you don't wake up to what that looks like, you may end up somewhere that you don't want to be. Right. And so after some continued bullying through high school and different things, and then, you know, not being able to get the level of education that I needed because I made my mom take me out of special ed after my kindergarten class. 
you know, that created some real challenges for me. And, you know, so as I moved into my adult life, I was, I was suffering all these failures one after another. Eventually that led to me being on drugs, which led to me, you know, doing, you know, petty crimes to support my habit. Um, at one point I escaped from a police officer. And so I ended up in jail. Um, and when I got there, they put me in solitary confinement for confinement for um, escaping from the police officer. And so I was stuck in a cell alone for 15 months with the person that I didn't want to be with the most, which was me. <laughs> I have a feeling uh, people can have just a very, very, very vague idea what that must be like, <laughs> considering the lockdown that, that the country is under. Only if they eat really bad food for the entire right. time they were locked down. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> so during that time when you were in solitary with yourself, um, did, did something shift inside of you or, or did it just take you deeper into that torment? So shortly after getting there, I got this letter from my dad and it said something along the lines of, I don't know how long you're going to be there, but, you know, most people don't get to take a break from their busy lives to work on themselves. You know, let this, don't let this time go to waste. And so, you know, I knew I needed information. So I started getting books on spirituality and self-help and meditation. And so I started meditating in my cell and I started, you know, working out in my cell. And so after a while, you know, I got to the point where I was meditating every day. And then I had this like breakthrough and here's what it was. So one day I was looking down. So I was writing a list of people who I felt like had harmed me because I felt very much like a victim, like the world was happening to me, not because of me. Right. And I'd written this long list of people I felt like had harmed me so that I could go into my meditation or my prayers and give them, you know, offer them forgiveness. And one day I looked down at that list and I realized the only common denominator between all those situations was me. Hmm. Right. And I'd never really considered before that point whether or not I was the creator of my experience. Right. Right. And I thought, what if I somehow created all of this stuff? And so I really spent a little time thinking about what that meant. If I was, if I wasn't in fact the creator of my experiences, it meant the real world really was a terrible place and I probably didn't want to play anymore. But if I was, then if I could figure out how I created my experience, then I could create something new, magical, and wonderful in its place. Mm. Uh, but it also meant I had to take responsibility for everything that ever happened to me. Right. And, you know, that was a big burden. But on that day, I decided I was the creator of my experience. I was going to own all of it, even if I didn't know what that mean until years later when I realized it was that day I took my power back. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which is a really interesting thing to do. But for me, it was like if I could figure out the mechanism by which I could create it, then I could then I could have some you know, great life. But the first question I had to ask myself going back to the abuse was, did my abuse define me? Because people are always like, why would you take responsibility for that? You're, you're victim shaming yourself. And I'm like, no, I need to understand this. Did my abuse define me? And so I thought about it. I was like, well, if it did, I'm stuck forever because I can't go back and change the abuse. Right. And I thought, well, did everybody who's incurred abuse allow it to destroy them? And the answer was no. People who have support get through it just fine. Right. And so I thought, well, it couldn't have been the abuse. Well, what was it? And here's what I decided. 
It was what I chose to believe about myself having lived through that abuse. Mm. You know, it's funny, Sam, because I'll tell people that story sometimes. They'll be like, don't do that to yourself. You were only five. How could you have thought anything else? And I always tell them, like, stop taking my power away. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because they, they don't get it. It's like, yeah, I was only five and I made the most logical choice I could with the information available to me. But I chose to believe I was stupid. I chose to believe I was not good enough. That was my choice. It wasn't the teacher's choice. Right. Now, what that means is, is that I always have the power to go back and change what I believe based on past experience. And that was the idea that really started to shape and change my life was you know, that I had the power to choose what I believed about myself, even if at that point I had no clue how to change it. Right, right. Okay. So let me point you there for a second. We're getting some love on the Facebook Live. I see Patty, our loyal listener, sends her regards. And Jennifer, oh, a new new listener from the, on Facebook, uh, uh, chiming in saying hello from Florida. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I've often talked to people about that very idea of, you know, if we take responsibility for our life, then we can take responsibility for changing it because it's really all about our choice of how we respond to a particular situation. Now, just because at that time you responded a certain way is not necessarily a bad thing. It's what you needed to do to survive and that got you to further on in your life, but you can always make a different choice. You can always decide to, to respond differently when you know better. And so it sounds like that's your journey kind of helped you to see that, yes, you made that choice. And now you're, because you, you accept the responsibility of making that choice, you're now able to make a different choice. Whereas if you didn't take that responsibility, you would not be able to make a different choice and you would always be stuck in that loop. Right. When you, when you don't take responsibility, you give away your power to change. If something's somebody else's fault, then it's, it's within their power to change it. And so where people get caught up in this, Sam, is the fact that they get caught up in the victim part, right? It's like, right. well, bad things do happen to good people. And I would agree with that. And so, right. you know, when I think about forgiveness today, forgiveness today for me is not, that has nothing to do with the other person. Right. You know, I leave their actions them to forgive themselves for their actions, you know, and I realized that, look, hurt people hurt people, right? Right. You know, they were probably abused themselves. And so whenever I consider forgiveness in a traumatic event, it's like, well, what created my life after that event? Everything I chose to believe about myself, my teacher had nothing to do with it. And so it's like, when I think about forgiveness, it's like, it's not about letting the other person off the hook. It's about letting myself off the hook. Right. For choosing to believe something about myself that was not true. And that's what created my terrible life. And so don't get caught up in the fact that you did have abuse. It happens to most of us, right? Yeah. That happens. But yeah. what you chose to believe about yourself coming out of that situation is what shaped what happened next, not the actual abuse itself. And in that thought, you have all the power. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Steph, I want to bring you in before the next break. You had your own challenges uh, kind of growing up and, and going through life yourself, didn't you? A lot of them. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that brought you to a pretty serious point, didn't it? Yes. Why don't you share with our audience kind of what was going on for you and what brought you to that point? Okay. That, that was a pretty um, serious point. Yeah. Um, so when I was eight years old, I was sexually abused. 
and I was threatened to never tell. Mm-hmm. So I took that into my adulthood because I was terrified that somehow I would, he made me think that it would have been my fault. Mm. And I believed him because you're eight and that's, you believe people that are older than you. Sure. So, um, I continued through my life, but the year after that, actually my parents had got divorced Uh. and my dad left. Um, there was a little bit of back and forth with him, but he left and he didn't want anything to do with us. Mm. And so I grew up believing I was unlovable Uh. and that I didn't deserve love. So going into dating, you know, I attracted the worst possible people, abusers, drug addicts, you know, cheaters. And I thought that that's what I deserved. I thought because of the abuse, because of my own dad leaving me, I mean, this is the one person on the planet who's supposed to love you no matter what leaves. So I chose to believe that I was unlovable and that was on me. So, um, you know, it, it, just to be clear for our audience, I want them to yeah. know, it was not your dad who abused you. It was something no. in the neighborhood, right? Right, right. Um, so anyways, you know, then as I continue through my life, you know, it, it didn't get better. It gets worse because of your own self-negative talk that you tell yourself that you're unlovable, that you're not good enough. You know, I started cutting myself. You know, at a size zero, I became bulimic and I told myself that I was fat and I think that a lot of people go through all the things that I'm talking about and my heart really hurts for everyone and it really it led me down to uh, a path of suicide and I had a brutal suicide attempt in a hotel room 20 years ago because I could not see a path forward I could not see anyone loving me. I didn't even know what self-love was at the time. Nobody, I mean, I love my mother, but she never taught me how to love myself. You know, they don't teach this in school. You know, it's our jobs as parents to tell our kids how to love themselves. And I think that if you don't love yourself, how are you going to teach somebody else or your children how to love themselves? Right. And then actually, it's probably even more than telling them, it's more just modeling it, right? Because, you know, as children, we don't really pay attention to what our parents say, but we, it gets into our nervous system what they do, because they're our models for the world. And then we just duplicate what they do. Right. Well, you know, and, you know, I think it's super important for kids to know, you know, that you should love yourself first, just, you know, like our daughter's dating right now. And, you know, just like last night, we're like, you know, the most important thing is that you love yourself before someone else comes along and tries to tell you that you have to be loved by someone or you have to be in a relationship. Right. Or you, or you have to do this to feel loved or you have to do that to feel loved. Right. Right. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, um, let's get into uh, kind of uh, what what brought about the the book, the movie, and this whole movement, the the thing called the two of you have created called Powerful You, and and what its purpose is, and and what you're trying to get out to the world. Okay. Awesome. All right, so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after these messages. Thank you. 
And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with James and Steph Papora, um, all about how perception, seeing is not believing their book and their movie. Um, and so the two of you, you know, just uh, told us, uh, you know, kind of about the, the, the difficulty that the two of you came from. And Steph, I, my, my heart really goes out to you to have gotten to that point where you felt so um, awful, so in so much pain and no way out that you even, you know, attempted to, to take your own life. And, and uh, when you were talking about that, we did get some, some hearts and, and some, some, some reactions on, on the Facebook live. Um, what got you out of that mode? What, what, got you to shift and, and, and to sort of take back your power from such a powerless place? So when I woke up on the bathroom floor in the hotel and I realized that I was still alive, um, well, the first thing I thought was, well, I can't even kill myself right. You know, so I, I, immediately it was like, I have to try again. I'm still here. You know, what, why? And um, so in a small little, I don't even know what you would call it, just like a small nugget of wisdom came to me. And it was like, just get your stuff and leave, just go. And so I drove to my mom's house, which was several hours away because I was in another state. And I had a, a long time to think when I got there, she knew immediately what happened because she could see my neck. Mm. And... I, she immediately started crying and I told her what had happened and it was really hard, you know, to be that vulnerable because I wasn't the person that would share things. It was always, everything was concealed. You don't feel anything. You don't say anything. And so I, I decided in that moment when I was at her house that I would try to live again. I was like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I can just try try. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing down everything that I wanted out of life because I thought if, if my life is this bad, maybe I could create something really good. So I'm just going to stick around and see what can happen. Mm -hmm. And so really, it was really about writing for me and thinking about what I want, because I don't think I ever really thought about, you know, dreams and goals and and creating a life. It was all, everything was dark for me. Everything was depression, sadness, you know, a, so much self-hate that I could fill a room, several rooms full. And it makes me sad that so many people out there still feel all that self-hate because of things that have happened. Right. But really it was, you know, I had to learn how to love myself. I had to learn how to start meditating and, and thinking positively so when I met James, I didn't want to be in a relationship, of course, because that's how it goes. Right. And he was the first person I told my story to because he was so open and vulnerable with his story. And I, I really was like, I didn't know that people shared stories with each other. I didn't know. I've never met anyone that just shared their story with me and was vulnerable. No. I didn't actually know that that was a thing or even acceptable because I was so worried about what everyone thought of me, there was no way I was ever just going to tell someone how I really felt. Right. 
And so when we had got together, we really wanted more out of our lives. I mean, we didn't have money. We didn't have anything. But what we had was dreams. Mm -hmm. And we always said if we made it to the top, we would always, you know, put our hand out and our knowledge and help people understand that they don't have to feel all the self-hate and loneliness and you know, your life can be great. Like you have one life and you can make it be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it's a message that I think today is, is m- more uh, necessary for people to hear than ever before. So, so, so James, it's kind of interesting how both you and Steph in some ways had very, although they were very different, similar kinds of paths that you both went down, sort of these very self-destructive paths to a point where, you know, it was really like, you know, either you you were going to die or or something had to change. And you both kind of realized that or or came to that point of, of, I would almost say desperation where you needed something else and you realized and you, 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 you found within yourselves the ability to turn around how you felt about stuff. And, and then the two of you actually met. Like once you had both actually turned the corner, so to speak, inside, emotionally, the two of you met. And then together, you've both experienced a, a life that many people uh, probably just dream about. What... Um, brought you to to the point that you said, okay, now is the time to start uh, teaching other people, helping other people. You know, where did you decide to start writing a book, creating a movie and and putting together this whole concept of powerful you? So, you know, just to be clear. So if you imagine like, you know, a line and the line goes straight down and then it kind of curves up, you know, where Steph and I met was at the bottom, right? Just as it started going up. And so, even though that we had both decided we wanted to change our lives, neither of us had any idea how to do that. And, you know, the last thing Steph needed in her life was another loser. So I was like, Hey, I promise I'm on my way up, you know, trust me. And we decided that we were going to work on ourselves and that no matter what we would do this together, we would be dedicated to this growth. And so when we started, you know, it's just like there wasn't, you know, there's just most self-help stuff is really expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some good books out there, but even those seem a little vague and how to apply things. And so we basically just started with nothing. We didn't have any idea. And so I remember one of the first things we did was we decided, you know, early on, we were going to tell ourselves that we loved ourselves. Right. And so mm-hmm. it was like, I love myself. And then you'd hear this little voice in the back of your head say liar, you know, and how yeah. many times did we tell ourselves we loved ourselves? Probably a million right? And so it felt like less of a lie. But we would sit on the bed every single night talking about emotions and perceptions and ideas and concepts. And we did this. So it's been, I mean, we've been together like 17 years. So I mean, it's been a long time. And we still do this, right? And so for us, it was about figuring out how you consciously create your existence. And at the end of the journey, towards the end of the journey, we figured out there are two principles that dictate everything that you are, everything that you do, everything that you, you know, you feel and experience. And those, those 
principles are perception and emotions, right? And so when you understand those principles, you can create your life any way you want consciously. And so, you know, we also had to figure out that, you know, money didn't actually create happiness. It took us nine years to get to our first million dollars. When we got there, I looked at her, said, are you happy? She said, nope. And I said, well, me either. So let's figure out what it takes to create happiness, right? And, you know, it wasn't more money. We got that too. And that was, just wasn't it. And so what we figured out was, you know, what it takes to create money and what it takes to create happiness are actually two different things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that in the world, we feel like we're made to choose, right? It's like, you know, should I, do I want to be happy or do I want to have money? And so we get this atmosphere where we have a bunch of spiritual people who are broke and a bunch of rich people who are miserable. Right. And the question is, can you have both? And the answer is you can have both. And it's actually the most efficient way to do it. And so creating money and wealth and everything on the outside is about changing your perception of the outside world, mm-hmm. changing the meaning your mind puts on reality after it comes out, changing creating happiness and well-being is all about changing your perception of your inside world. So it is both based in perception, but they're two very different principles on how you go about it. And the key is learning to understand your emotions, how they work. They're a feedback mechanism for what you believe. And so the principles we're talking about, I mean, you, you, you quoted uh, Abraham at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show you know, Abraham teaches these same principles. And so if you think about it from a spiritual perspective, right, everything in the spiritual world has a physical equivalent. And so when you think about things like the law of attraction and everything else, what we're talking about is the, is the 3D reality equivalent, which is learning how to understand and change your perception and understand how to what's the meaning of your emotions is. And then once you understand those two concepts then you create anything you want. And so that's what we did. And at the end we were like, well, you know, this is way easier than anything I've read before. We might as well share it with people. And we kind of got to that decision because it was like, you know, after we had sold our worldwide tech company, you know, we had all the money we could ever want. It was like, is this the world we want our kids and grandkids to grow up in? And the answer is no. And so we feel like if you have the means, you have the responsibility. And, you know, our goal, Powerful You, is to bring people out of pain and suffering at scale. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's the thing where, where you want to create the world. And, and in kind of, you know, I, I really resonate with this because I tell people all the time, like I'm all about raising consciousness and, and, and helping to create a better world because I want to live in a better world. It's for a very selfish reason. As, as it should be for everyone, right? I mean, exactly. you know, I tell people, it's like all the time, I met with this company out of Europe and they're putting on like the next live aid. And I'm like, what are you putting the money towards? They're like the, the environment. I'm like, you're wasting your money. And they're like, what, you don't like the environment? I'm like, I love the environment. But until we can teach people how to move out of pain, they're never going to think about anything outside of themselves. Mm, very true. Very true. Yeah. It's, if, if you want to change the planet, you have to change the person. If you don't change the person, it doesn't matter what you do for the planet. Yeah, you're just running a race that you're going to lose. Right, right, right. Okay, I want you to hold that thought. Um, We're going to take our last break of the show. And when we come back, um, let's talk a little bit more about that. And and actually, I'd love to hear uh, um, from you, Steph, as well, about taking these principles and how can we apply it in today's situation with this pandemic, with, with, you know, 
people being, you know, social distancing and, 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 and being very, very careful for our health in an environment, you know, that, that's not very conducive to necessarily feeling like we're being expansive. All right. Okay, great. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been talking this hour with James and Steph Papura, uh, authors of the book, Perception, Seeing is Not Believing, as well as the movie. And we will be right back after this. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Uh, it has been my pleasure to have James and Steph Kapoor on the show this uh, this hour. Um, so, so uh, uh, Steph, I just want to talk about, you know, especially you're working with women, about what Powerful You really does for people and, and how you're looking to reach people and what kind of people you're trying to reach. Well, we reach anyone that uh, is willing to you know, look in themselves and want to grow. You know, if you're not even open to growth, because there's a lot of people that we do meet and they're like, I'm just fine. I am who I am. I don't want to change. And that's fine if that's where you're at. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe you're going to get any farther in life with that mindset. So I think number one is being open and open to really questioning where you're at in life. And questioning if you, if this is really where you want to be, because I was in a place where it was like, I no longer want to feel this self-hate, the self-loathing, the negative self-talk. I mean, I was my worst own enemy as we all are. Yes. You know, I think that a lot of people are so worried about judgment, but you know, no one judges ourselves more than we do. We are our own worst judge. And so I think really it's, you know, having an open mindset and really thinking about, you know, your emotions and what they mean for you. Mm -hmm. You know, most people think that emotions think that, you know, that's something is wrong on the outside when in fact there is something wrong on the inside and it's an indicator trying to tell you that there's something wrong. So I think there's that. And, and I think people are really tied to their story and the shame of it. Like I was. And so I think if you change your story and the stories that you tell yourself, you can change your life. I mean, we all have stories about who we are and what we think the world is. And those stories shape our perceptions because, you know, your, your perception is sourced from the past. And so like from my past, um, I always say, you know, the story about my dad not loving me. Well, it really had to do with him not loving himself. Mm-hmm. And I always told myself, if he didn't love me, no one could. Mm-hmm. When in fact, really like the most important love, I believe, is the love that you give yourself. Yeah, and absolutely. I think there's so many people I meet. I mean, we have events and I meet so many people, so many women who are abused, men and women, sexually, you know, in, in, in domestic violence. And they hate themselves. What happens to these people after abuse? It's like they have major PTSD because 
it's, it's all these things. It's, it's your pet perception telling you, you can never have a good life because of this when in fact you can, and you can heal from it. You know, we have a book and a movie and we have, um, coaching available. We have so many things to help people, but I mean, you should be open to getting professional help as well absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. i mean i i do you know i'm involved in many spiritual practices and shamanic work and, and one of the things that i i always recommend to people if you're going to get involved with this kinds of stuff the support of a therapist is invaluable i mean my my wife is a therapist so you know Amazing. i kind of yeah. i have to pr promote the the the, the the profession but um but james so Today we're living in a, in a different world than we lived in just a, a, a couple of sh short months ago. And, and people actually are having to be with themselves much more than they've ever had to. It's now like imposed on us for our own safety and our own health. How can people learn to still thrive even in this very unusual and very different environment that, that we're finding ourselves in now? Well, I think it's interesting because that you know so many people are losing stuff right <clears throat> and it's this this question so there's a saying in business and here's the saying it's like the only thing worse than a business that that right out fails is one that barely makes it and i would say the same thing about your life the only thing worse than a life that just completely fails is one that barely makes it and so as people are facing these challenges of what am i going to do now you know as things start to open up in parts of the country it's like maybe you shouldn't start running towards what you had if what you had didn't serve you or wasn't good enough, right? Yeah. You know, there, was, there was a saying in the movie Fight Club, it's like, until you lose everything, right? That's only when you'll be free to do anything. Mm. And so I challenge people to say right now is that if you don't know this, anytime there's an economic downturn, and there's going to be a huge economic downturn as yeah. a result of this, that that's when the most millionaires are made. Right? You know, Steph and I really found our success in 2008. That's when things started taking off. Uh -huh. And so what I would say is that you, you have a choice, right? And you have every reason in the world to be depressed, not get out of bed, you know, not do anything. And you're fully justified in doing that. You know, there's enough hate and bad things in the world. But you also have every reason in the world to be happy and to be you know, upbeat and to look at this as a huge opportunity. And that's where your choice lies. And what I would say is that understand that this is a time of opportunity. We, we've gotten a special gift to be able to go, wait, whose life was I living? Who was I living it for? Why was I living it? Right? It's like, why am I chasing all this stuff that doesn't seem to matter? And, you know, this time is a chance to connect with what matters, not beat it up. Right, right. Yeah, I completely agree with you that the, in some ways, it's like this time shows us what's really most important to us. And all these sort of frivolous, I'm going to say external things that we thought meant so much to us and were so important, we're finding actually are not that important. And that we're finding that the, the things that really deep in our hearts that we, we desire, it's becoming so much clearer and so much more evident that once things even open back up, the world is never going to be the same. And that's not a bad thing. I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be a wake-up call for a lot of people. And I think, you know, the massive consumerism that we've lived in, mm -hmm. right? Like, 
Yeah. There's going to have to be a shift because people are disconnecting from it, right? I mean, look at the new currency of the future, toilet paper, right? I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, we're going to be trading rolls for food or something. I don't know, but, right? So I don't, you know, it's that the world is going to be different. We had been sold a false bill of goods around what was important. We bought it hook, line, and sinker. And, you know, when it was taken away from us, we went, wait. It's like we were all living in this zombie apocalypse, you know, running for things that we didn't need and couldn't afford. But now we get a chance to think again. What are the things that are important to us? And it was the thing that was taken away. It's the contact. It's the interaction. It's the connection with other human beings. That's what matters. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? That's a beautiful note. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I, I could talk with you guys for all day long, for hours and hours and hours. I really want to thank you for coming, taking the time to come on the show today. If people want to learn more about you, learn more about Powerful You, where do they go? Um, you can go to our website. It's powerful-theletteru.com. Mm-hmm. You get the movie. We're, matter of fact, Sam, okay. we have a bunch of free resources right now. We've given the movie out for free, the book out for free. I wrote an ebook to help people in this time of need. So if you go to Powerful You, we have a ton of free resources to support people in this time of need. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. So That's we so can generous. get that all for free right now on our website. I'll send you a link so you can share it with your users. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's in the newsletter and I'll post it to the videos as well. Um, thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, w- once this lockdown is over, if you guys ever make it to New York City, you got to look me up, okay? We will for sure. Thank you so much for having us on. We loved it. The wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. And uh, again, their book is Perception, Seeing is Believing. You can find it on Amazon. Um, but just go to their website, powerful-u.com. Um, and before I sign off, I just uh, wanted to let people know, uh, most, uh, I think, of my, my regular listeners realize that the, the station has kind of shifted. And from being sort of an in-studio station, we're now doing everything over Zoom, which means that uh, uh, we're actually, I'm talking to people now, and it looks like we're going to have uh, some new hosts coming on the network who are not even in New York City. So if you know people who are looking uh, to uh, uh, join a network who are looking to do a podcast and, and, and don't necessarily know where to start. Um, I would be thrilled to talk with them. Please feel free to have them uh, reach out to me at sam at talkradio.nyc. And I just posted that link uh, in, in the uh, Facebook Live. Uh, Patty loved it. Jennifer loved it. Uh, good Good loyal listener, Sanaya, also said good show, virtual hug. So, so everybody, thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned because coming up next on talkradio.nyc is Voices of Courage with Ken Foster. And, uh, of course, we will be back next week. So, everyone, take care. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We will talk to you next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.